Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, you guys. Welcome to Star Wars Year by Podcast. Normally Patreon exclusive, but as this is episode 12, divisible by three, it is for all to enjoy on the Blue Harvest and Steel Wars, all the feeds. If you're feeding, you're eating. But let us introduce our co-host from Blue Harvest, Horsburger. Hey, everybody. Uh, daylight savings time sucks. Oh, you've been hit hard by the daylight I, savings? I have. I normally stay up real late on Saturday night, so... I know. <clears throat> yeah. I've got so. the text to prove it. <laughs> so what normally would have been me going to bed at like 4 or 4.30 in the morning turned out to me be me going to bed at 6.30 in the morning without really even realizing. Well... Even harder steel whores. You were going back one hour and 41 years <laughs> to 1979. Um, and this is, as I mentioned, a, uh, a all access episode. And the story thus far is that Horsburgh and I have the Star Wars year by year visual history updated. Nick- expanded edition book and each episode we uh, cover an amount of time and go through the interesting news items of the year and then go on many tangents all around the Star Wars galaxy and it's super fun and today we are up to the halfway point July of 1979 in the uh, we are under a year to the release of Star Wars Episode Five, The Empire Strikes Back, which spoiler alert turns out to be pretty good, pretty pretty good. Hey, um, before we get going, Hawes, I know you listen to it. Just a bit of sizzle for other things oh. going on the uh, the Steel Wars Patreon, and we don't want to we don't want to give away anything. Um. But that Robbo report. Uh, buddy, so, you know, we got some hints through, like, Instagram, or not Instagram, Twitter uh, chats that maybe some shenanigans had gone down when Robbo went to visit Galaxy's Edge. So when it popped up on my feed, it came up um, Friday evening. I was, I was home. I had just finished work and publishing the newest episode of Blue Harvest and I was like, well, I, I, I got to start this. So I started listening to it and then finished it on Saturday. These are normally things I save for the work week. You know what I mean? But I had to listen to this one, and it was well worth it. It's my favorite Robbo report so far. Robbo heads off with <laughs> his family to uh, Disney Hollywood Studios in beautiful Florida. Um, 
and attempts to go to Galaxy's Edge and adventures ensue. It is... um, It could be turned into a National Lampoon's Vacation movie with just some slight modifications. I was thinking... um, Was it Jingle All The Way? Is it, which was the one with Jake Lloyd and... Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Jingle All the Way Part 2. Oh, nice. Um, Robbo will have to work out a little bit, though, to uh, <laughs> <laughs> to play the role of Arnold Schwarzenegger father. But, uh, yeah, if, you, um, if you're a new Patreon or uh, maybe you don't normally check out the Robbo Report, you, you have to. This is... It's an epic... It's um, it's 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 like listening to a movie. And I gotta say, people have been like just an unusual amount of feedback for this. Uh, you guys might have to do uh, like a, a follow up episode just to address the feedback. We might um, actually. Uh, I gotta say, Robbo knows how to tell a damn story too. <laughs> Like, I don't know if he sat down before, because this seems kind of like the thing Robbo would do, where he was like, I got a really good story, I have to, like, map it out. I got to do an outline and figure exactly how to tell this, because he does an excellent job of it. And the noises you make during some of that story, (laughs) (laughs) like, I was like, I felt like I was sitting there listening to the story, because it's the same thing I would be doing. (laughs) Hey, I make noises for the people, Hawes. Mm, we know. The uh, the theatre of the mind. So uh, make sure you check that out. It is a two and a half hour adventure. It was... I... I, like... Like when Jackie was already in bed and I got in and I'm like, oh my God, this story Robert just told me. <laughs> it's blinding. Tremendous I- stuff. I just like that um, between hearing that and hearing what Jackie's reaction was to Will going to Walmart, it sounds <laughs> like you guys have a very similar, one of you listens to the pod, a podcast and the other one's like, wait, what's going on? Situation to Jesse and I. Yeah, well, on the, on the latest Blue Harvest, Will goes to um, Walmart with, he, he, he's not having a good time. No, he is not. And they're normally happy-go-lucky, placid, Will Wheaton, erupted with those Sith eyes. It was confronting. 242 episodes in, we finally saw Will's dark side. I can't remember an episode before this where he got that angry. And, yeah, so I had it just playing on the iPhone, no headphones, in the kitchen, and um, because as you know, for me, blue harvest means clean, <coughs> clean in that kitchen. That's that's the theme music, and Will is just swearing up a storm. Jackie walks in and goes, "Oh, what's wrong with this dude?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Ah, oh, he went to Walmart," and she's like, "Ah, oh, okay, <laughs> checks out." Perfect. And I'm like, oh, it's the guy that gave us tips on how to cook a Thanksgiving turkey. And she's like, oh, why are they mean to him? She was, um, so we're, so we're all putting out 
emotionally gripping content this week, Horse. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what's funny? Both of us just had to sit back and listen. Yes, I was... Um, <laughs> That's, that's, yeah, that, that is often Robbo's mantra. Mm-hmm. Just get comfy, Steel. Even if it's mid my sentence. <laughs> but I did, it was funny that um, I, I record this, how this records, it records me on one track and you on a different track. So I've got two audio files, and then I put them together. Call Recorder, guys, for Skype. It's, it's a really good little uh, podcasting tool. Set you back about $29, I think. Um, and when I put it in the, um, the audition thing, and you can see the two sound waves on top of each other, my sound waves were remarkably not doing that much. <laughs> I know this feeling so much. <laughs> uh, but let's hit um, 1979. When we uh, last left you in June, we had uh, Han Solo's Revenge get released. Uh, Jabba the Hutt is back in his green whiskered form in the Marvel comics. And uh, Moonraker was released. But um, if you haven't listened to that, again, if you're going to become a new patron, you, I feel like we really, uh, things heated up in that episode once we got that uh, rocket-firing Boba Fett and, and Blue Snaggletooth, the Cantina Adventure set. Uh, Monkey Yoda. We can't forget Monkey Yoda. Oh, my stars. Monkey Yoda. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Now, um... What do we got in July? Uh, this is uh, sometimes in the book they give us uh, some kind of somehow related uh, information about what's going on in the world. Sometimes it's just news, but I always think if it's related to space, it, it's Star Wars. Um, interestingly enough, Halls, mm-hmm. in our primary school, early years, first couple of years, I remember our teacher would have themed... Um, months. Oh no, it was the whole. What do they call those things? Not seasons. Semester. Semester. <laughs> hey, this daylight savings is hitting us all. Yeah, it is. So, um, there's a, we should have sometimes themed semesters, and uh, I all I I think it was space theme every time because I would demand it because space themed meant Star Wars themed. Yeah. So uh, that's why, like, stuff like this, you'd, you'd hear about the space shuttle. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the podcast before. I, um, and I'm so looking forward to this sort of stuff from my little boy Harrison. When I was very young, I uh, asked my mum, it was in the newspaper, the, um, the shuttle, the space shuttle, going up to space where it belongs and I said to my mum why doesn't the space shuttle like have lasers <laughs> I can't see where it could have any lasers and my mum very quick thinking says they're on a peaceful mission that's a good mom that's a fast thinker 
But I was just like, yeah, I don't know if that's a good idea. Because <laughs> maybe that's your intention as a peaceful mission. But what if things go south? I don't know if you've heard about these stars, but quite often they have wars up in them. Yeah. So I was, I, 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 I think I just left the kitchen back to the lounge room grumbling about how this was a very irresponsible move on the behalf of NASA. <laughs> Not even one photon torpedo horse. Yeah. Those astronauts are going to be in some big trouble. How rad would alternate Earth be? if we were more paranoid about an alien attack and the space shuttle was decked out. <laughs> that would be, but yeah, I mean, what are you going to put on them though? Like in this alternate earth, do we actually have like laser? Well, they'd be and- investing instead of like, uh, oh, I see, you know, working on the, like the toothpaste, like bit of steak that you can eat. Right. Or the, the astronaut ice cream. Exactly. And these astronauts, they're on a mission, right? I always see this footage of them up in space, like floating water, like having a great, having water fights in space. Right. Get back to work. <laughs> we need some lasers. <sighs> no. Have you ever had astronaut food? No. Okay. So about an hour or an hour and a half from where I live now is a town called Huntsville, Alabama, right? And they have a space and rocket center there where you can go and see you know some rockets they have a space shuttle out front it's got a whole museum you can uh, see you know some space suits they have a couple of space monkeys there or at least they did when i was a kid what do you mean space monkeys like monkeys that were sent into space they have the actual monkey Uh, i so when i went i was in maybe third grade so I don't recall if it was like an actual monkey that was sent into space or it was some monkeys that they were like, this is the kind of monkey we would have sent into space. Wait, dead or alive? Alive. Hanging out in a little exhibit. Okay. Um, so they had like a stuffed monkey. No, no. And they had some like little interactive exhibits where you could like do a oh, space walk. You're killing me, whores. I thought you were going to um, say they had some interactive monkeys. Oh, I, dude, I'd be there right now. You'd be like, hey, you want to record a year by podcast? I'd be like, sorry, buddy, I'm hanging out with some monkeys. In, in the Space background. No, in the, I know I'm busy today with a family thing. And in the background, <laughs> here. <laughs> so they have a cafeteria there. And, and my parents took my sister and I there. Like I said, when I was in like third grade um, on a little like mini family vacation. And in the cafeteria, it, you can get your normal type cafeteria food, or you can get the astronaut's lunch, where it's nothing but astronaut food. And that's what I got as a kid. And I remember being thoroughly unimpressed. <laughs> maybe space isn't for me. Yeah, maybe not. I um, What was that place called? Uh, I think it's called the Huntsville Space and Rocket Center. Gotcha. Is there is sort of like their slogan, come for the space, stay for the rocket? <laughs> Huntsville Space. Yeah, Huntsville Space and Rocket Center. Uh, a few years back, you know, I don't rem- know if you remember when it was before Disney bought Star Wars. They were doing this like star- touring Star Wars science exhibit. 
where they would it, it came was, to Australia. Yeah, the science of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It was in Huntsville for a little while, and I never got to go. But at one point, Jesse and I—this was very early on in our uh, in us uh, dating—looked at VIP tickets for opening night because Billy D. Williams was going to be there, and you could go to dinner with Billy D. Williams. That does not work out well normally. <clears throat> I don't believe it does, especially if they're they're uh, serving astronaut food. <laughs> you don't even get to eat it. Yeah. And what happened? We didn't. We. I just remember looking. We didn't go. Ah. But I remember one of the big. That was the shortest Robo report ever. I remember one of the big like uh, drawing points that I really wanted to go was they had like um, a thing where you could ride the Millennium Falcon, probably some sort of like simulator ride or something. I never got to check it out, but I just remember being like, "Man, that would be cool to ride the Millennium Falcon." And now it's a much more obtainable goal. I just got to make my way to Galaxy's Edge sometime. You'll get there, buddy. But let's get to July with Skylab's return. July 11th, Skylab re-enters Earth's atmosphere after six years in orbit. NASA has intended to use a space shuttle to boost Skylab into a high orbit. Skylab plunges to Earth, scattering debris across the southern Indian Ocean and western Australia. Which... I would have been far too young to experience the the thrill and excitement of the return of Skylab. Mm. But I do know is if this happened in the mid-80s and I heard this news report, even though it's the other side of my country, I would have been thrilled for about three days that space debris was hitting Australia. Uh, that's what I was wondering, like... Do you think people went out and tried to, like, salvage space debris, Ray style? Yes, definitely. There's uh, several Western Australian families that just have a chunk of Space Lab or Skylab sitting on their mantle. Like, that's when space came to Earth. Yeah, well, right now there's a problem in Australia with people going out trying to get toilet paper (laughs) for some reason. Buddy, I know. So uh, I think the the race would have been on for a bit of debris as well. (laughs) Man, that started to hit down here where – so, you know, I I work out in the public a few days a week, right? And I'm a little paranoid about getting the coronavirus. So I I thought to myself, you know what I'll do? I'll just hop online. I'll get some hand sanitizer and some wipes, you know, to like wipe down keyboards at these places I go to work. Mm Mm-hmm. Sold out. Every Walmart online, Target online, Amazon online. Nobody has them. No, it's, back to cl- it's back to cleaning them with your tongue. <laughs> yep, yep. It is the most efficient. It's the body's wet wipe exactly. is what I like to say. Um, and then so Jesse went out to do some shopping the other day. And I was like, hey, it's probably nothing to be too worried about. But I hear like there's a run on toilet paper. So if you see some. Maybe grab us a little extra. Like, don't go crazy. Just get us an extra pack. You know, we don't want to be without it, right? And she calls me 20 minutes later, and she's like, it looks like the end of the world in here. There is no toilet paper to be seen, hand sanitizer, soap. Everything's gone. People are fighting and arguing. Like, it's madness. And it hasn't even hit Alabama yet. 
Well, if things get really dire, we have gone through the first 80 pages of the Star Wars year-by-year book. Man, it would it would kill me to defile a piece of Star Wars literature, a Star Wars collectible. Uh, but things got to be done. Maybe I'll go get my old Glove of Darth Vader books and go through those first. You're going you're gonna to clean yourself up with the Glove of Darth Vader? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, um, in August, Hawes, Star Wars returned. Do you want to run us through that one? Second re-release for Star Wars, August 15th. Star Wars is re-released for the second time and includes a live-action trailer for The Empire Strikes Back. Narrated by Harrison Ford, the trailer includes a brief glimpse of C-3PO ripping a warning sign from a door. This is part of a sequence involving caged wampas that is ultimately cut from the film. Now, I somehow never knew this. Like, I've watched this trailer before. Maybe I knew it and I've forgotten it. Right. <laughs> that it was narrated by Harrison Ford. Now, that part I did not remember, even just now reading it. Because my memory of it is of just a very enthusiastic man doing voiceover. And that's Harrison. That's not normally words you equate with Harrison Ford. It is not. Man, yes. Oh, jeez. Stand back. Enthusiasm. He um, He's way ahead of the curve when it comes to Larry David. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I would. Uh, I bet you if you, you uh, got some footage of a real sick like a prototype airplane and showed it to Harrison Ford, like you were the first one to show him, he'd probably be like, mm, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know. Where am I going to get that from, though? <laughs> I don't know. Now, um, Hawes, what I've done in advance, because this narration, we, we sort of, we need it in the podcast. Right. I've queued it up on YouTube and I've shared my screen with you. I'm not sure if that's... Can you see? I, I can see it. Okay. So, I will play this now um, and we, we can sort of... Maybe we can do a live reaction. Okay. But uh, I, I, I just feel like we need to hear the enthusiasm, the rare enthusiasm, caught in the wild of Harrison Ford. This should play any second. Thank you to... Thus, Steve Jobs, that has 10 oh. subscribers. Luke Skywalker and Han Solo rescued the princess, <laughs> destroyed the Death Star, but their story didn't end there. That's Harrison Ford. <laughs> now, the creators of the biggest smash hit of all time bring you the next episode in the Star <laughs> Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. I don't want to insinuate drug use. Oh, but buddy, I think it's the most logical conclusion we can come to. The continuing story of our band of heroes, <laughs> Luke Skywalker. The continuing Leia, story. Han Solo, C-3PO, oh my R2-D2, and Chewbacca. 
And introducing Lando Calrissian. Hell yeah. It's an epic of romance. Oh! Dude, they went... They really slowed down that Luke and Leia kiss. Did you see that? It's an alternate take. Yeah, it definitely is. And it's much, like, slower and, like, thought out. Like, whoop. They cross trackless voids to unknown worlds. Oh, yeah. Bit of Zuckus in there. A galactic odyssey against oppression. This music, man. <laughs> so good. sprawling space adventure in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. What is that the, is that the Death Star exploding Coming at the end? to your galaxy next summer. Coming to your galaxy next summer. Hawes. Yes, sir. Could you imagine <laughs> if video footage of this audio recording was available it's not I, I have to I would have to see it just to s- see that come out of his mouth and what his eyes were doing at that time uh, was was this a, an, a time when he was thinking like oh maybe if the if this whole acting thing doesn't work out I'll get into voice work I don't think so yeah, I don't I don't get it. Now, um I love when it said he goes about fighting oppression. And then the clip for that was the deleted scene of C3PO ripping off the warning sign right in in Echo Base because there's all there's this there was this alternate little subplot that there was wampers attacking the base and the rebellion had trapped some wampers in some storage place in right. in Hoth, and then they put this yellow warning sticker with some sort of Arabesh logoing or something like that. And if you've ever played, and yes, yes, I was going to bring it up early on in the podcast. We bring it in. This is your time to shine. If you've ever played the Shadows of the Empire video game starring. Video games, very own Dash Render. Then you would have experienced uh, this plot. They they work that in, but it shows C three PO when when the Empire attacks, strikes back, if you will. C three PO is running down the hallway, and he rips off the warning sign, very like cannily. Mm-hmm. So then the stormtroopers will go in there and get attacked by the Wampers thus helping the rebels escape. But it shows, as he says, fight suppression or whatever. C-3PO rips off the sign, so it looks like C-3PO is like, we're not going to take it. (laughs) So uh, how how rad was that? It's so good. So I thought I had seen that trailer, and watching it with you just now, I realized I haven't. I've definitely never seen that version of the Empire Strikes Back trailer. What, thinking back at everything you saw 
in that trailer? Mm-hmm. What stands out? Uh, so they do show a good. It's it's interesting when you look at it, knowing the the actual movie. Like it's a very different trailer to what we would get today. Mm. Like we don't see. Like did we see a single ad at in there? I don't believe we did. This is where I'm going, horse. Okay. No adats. No adats. No Yoda. No Yoda. Which I think that was the Yoda part was definitely on purpose. Oh no, the adats was on purpose as well. Yeah. Um. I've watched it twice because I watched it the first time before I got on with you, and just then I really want to see this film, The Empire Strikes Back. Horse. This trailer yeah, is bloody working. <laughs> so. It, it, you know, if you think about what that trailer, like what the trailer for The Empire Strikes Back would be today, you'd absolutely see an ad app. You would definitely see some lightsaber action, probably like, you know, Luke versus Vader, either in the cave or at Cloud City. No, um, you'd have, it would all be about, if, if it's a J.J. Abrams one, right? it would be all about the cave. Oh, yeah. Like the thing Rock, that's yeah. not the thing. Mm-hmm. That's like when they kept advertising that dark ray in the TV spots. I was just like, we know this isn't part of the film. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I, I, you know, I know a lot of people were like, oh, man, Ray's going to go to the dark side. But from the moment, because where'd they show that trailer off? D23 for the first time with dark ray? Possibly. Uh, and reports started coming out that, you know, the, the trailer ended with Ray with a double-bladed lightsaber looking like she'd gone to the dark side. Immediately, my brain goes, oh, that's like a vision or some sort of misdirection or something. She's not – there's not enough time to do that in the movie. And it's just not happening. Yeah. But um, I love looking at this stuff and sort of detaching myself from knowing the film very well. And just looking at the images at what would have, like, what I'd be like, what, what is that? And I can tell you, there is a shot, which I'm not even, yeah, no, it's a shot from the film. FX7 medical droid mm-hmm. is next to the Bacta tank and puts his little antenna up against the glass and does something to send diaper Luke Skywalker up. And if I just seen that, being even now like because i like i'd just be like what what is happening in this scene what is like this is such a like why is he in this water tube and then this spider droid is like plugging something through the glass like oh tantalizing visuals that would be a whole podcast episode oh my god do you think he's do you think he's strong in the force fx7 (laughs) medical droid it's the first droid that's going to be strong in the force force healing there you go and then uh, you do see a little clip of Han being lowered into the carbonite freezing chamber as well, or at least them getting him ready for it. Mm. A remarkable amount of shots in the trailer of Jeremy Bullock, but not as Boba Fett. Right, right? Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, you can sort of see, hey, let's use... All this stuff doesn't tell you anything that's happening in the film. And it's mm-hmm. also light on effects. So it's yeah. done. And, well, 
once again, if that trailer had been like, if we move things forward to the modern era and Empire Strikes Back is about to come out in preceding Empire Strikes Back, we got toys of Boba Fett. He made a appearance in an animated show. They would definitely show Boba Fett in the trailer. Yeah, it was Boba Fett. Zuckus was in it, but... Zuckus, but no Boba Fett. Interesting. Very, very cool. So, check that out. I, I will um, I will put a link to that in the show notes so you guys can watch it as well. And the part in the uh, trailer where we both groaned or made some <laughs> weird noise, there was this alternate shot of very close up of Luke kissing Leia that is... It's hardcore. You know what it looks like? It looks like uh, Leia just brought Luke back from the dead. And he's very appreciative. <laughs> Gratitude. Gratitude. Oh, my God. That is... <laughs> it's it's so funny how attached you are to the characters mm-hmm. and invested in, like, who they are. That, like, it's it's just two actors. But it's disgusting. Yeah, and man, imagine being on the internet back in the day when that trailer drops and your your Han and Leia faction freaks out and your Luke and Leia frat yeah, faction. Your Han Lays. Starts, your Han Lays and your... Uh, Skylers. Skylers. <laughs> start freaking out and celebrating. Like, it... It would have been madness. <sighs> Good times. Good times. Um, this isn't also in 1979, but it's it's up front. So we'll, we'll, we'll whack this one in now because there's some good alsos. For those new to the podcast, the also in 1979s are the things they can't pin down to a date but are too good to leave out. It's, it's, it's strange that they didn't know what month this happened in. Anyway, uh, moving card. Ralph McQuarrie illustrates Lucasfilm's announcement of its move from several trailers across the street from Universal Studios lot to the Egg Company building, which has been renovated by George and Marsha Lucas. Now, this is, is just one of those illustrations, sort of like the Christmas cards and stuff, Mm-hmm. That I remember when I was learning all about Star Wars and, and you know all the things that Lucasfilm had done in the nineties. I, I was heavily studying for this podcast horse years before the format. I always found all these cards that they did featuring the characters doing stuff on Earth just the coolest. Yes, like it's I- just like I say it all the time, but just such. A good use of the license. Uh, One of the earlier things I remember coming across on the internet when I was a kid, uh, like when I first got the internet and was looking Star Wars stuff up, was this kind of thing, this card, and all the Lucasfilm holiday cards. Mm -hmm. It just, it was one of those things I never heard of and finally got to see and just. I remember pouring over image and after image, waiting for each one to load slowly so I could see what the next card was and just having, like, the best time. 
I don't want to get into images uploading slowly because I feel like once we hit the 90s, <laughs> I'll be telling those stories on every episode. Oh, oh yeah, man. Oh, I have a story I have been waiting to tell, and it's about Shadows of the Empire. Oh, the sizzle. And I've been holding it every time it comes up. Every episode. Yeah, I'm like, is the, I got to tell this story. But I know it's not the right time yet because it's got its time and place. And that time and place is several years in the future in the book. It's like in, I can't remember what movie sort of parodies this. But like in a ninja movie or something, (coughs) there's all this fighting going on. And then there's just this crazy ninja at the back just waiting for his time. He's not doing anything. But you know, once he starts doing stuff... It's over. <laughs> I feel like maybe they parried that in The Simpsons. I feel like that story is that ninja. <laughs> it is. It's, it's waiting. So, um, for those that aren't sickos that are reading along with us on page 80 of the Star Wars Year by podcast, I have to, I don't know if we've talked about this, but Catherine Neen is, is, is planning on bringing her book like a true sicko. To Star Wars Celebration. <laughs> so we can do a, a live year by podcast. Oh, that would be pretty fun. We should do that. We should get everyone to bring their book. You can't come unless you don't bring your book. Oh, that's a sort of a hassle. <laughs> everyone has to bring a book across the world. <laughs> you, well, maybe we can try and get a hold. Who is it? DK? Let's get a hold of DK and see if we can get some like loner copies. So, hey, we've sort of been audio bootlegging your book. <laughs> you think you could do us a real solid, expensive favor? Um, it's, it's, it's like ringing up like Disney and going, hey, I'm trying to make copies of uh, this The Last Jedi. Do you know, where do you get those discs from? <laughs> Who's your 4K Blu-ray disc distributor? Figure we'll cut out the middleman here, right? Come on, help us out. Don't. Don't attack the fans. So, um, it's got you, you, you're somewhere in uh, California or in LA, in Hollywood. In the background, you can see the Hollywood sign. I'm not sure if that's geographically correct. I'm not sure if they're going the right way. I feel like they've gone. So, it's, it's the land speeder and uh, C3PO's in it, and then there's a bunch of people. R2-D2's in it, there's Jawas, and then, oh, the, I think the Gonk Droids in the back, and then behind that is a few Banthers and Sand People, mm-hmm. and Sand Persons, and um, then you've got the Sand Crawler, and then I believe next to the Sand Crawler, is, is that Boba Fett on a motorcycle with Darth Vader in the sidecar? It's oh, very man. small. Small, it's hard to... I think it is, though. And uh, Luke and Obi-Wan are on foot. They're walking. Walking and talking. And, um, yeah, they're sort of walking, and in the background you can see the Hollywood sign. And I feel like all this took place... Yeah, they're going to North Hollywood. So this is this is not canon. That's not how LA is laid out at all. <laughs> if, if you're in North Hollywood, you cannot see the Hollywood sign. This should have been their Rose Day parade float oh. a few years back. Tight. Tight. 
Um, oh, this is interesting. August 28th, thoughts. A rap party is held on the Bog Planet set, even though filming is not yet finished. It was a great party, Irvin Koshner recalls. It was a great party! It was like Armistice Day. The war is over. We have triumphed. And then there's little uh, little tickets to get to the uh, Bog Planet of Dagobah. So that they obviously had that name under wraps or something. But horse. Could you imagine being on the Bog Planet? Just, just dipping in, crouching in, rolling in to um, Yoda's hut just to grab another beer. Oh, my goodness. That would be so awesome. And you know by this time, because it's kind of a legendary story that that set started to smell bad after a while because the water went stagnant. So, like, you're you're on one hand, you're excited. You put in all this hard work to, like, the sequel to Star Wars, the biggest movie of all time. Excitement's in the air. Uh, Boba Fett, he's going to be a huge deal. And then your rap party is in like basically a, a green pool. Like when someone doesn't drain their pool for the winter and they just let the water get all nasty. Good times. The, um, they, they should have just started a rumor that in 1980, they're adding smell to cinemas. So they had to get the smell right on set. Uh- <laughs> um, so yeah, good fun. Hit us with some September action. September 5th, Alec Guinness arrives on set and completes his shots within six hours. (laughs) Having told the producers that wretched eye trouble might prevent him from working under bright lights, his participation in Empire has been uncertain. Guinness will receive one quarter of 1% of Empire's gross receipts. Damn. Gross receipts, not yeah. not profit. No, gross receipts, meaning the end of the day, what that movie made, take a quarter of a percent. That's what Alec Guinness got. All right, so let's just say that Harrison Ford had that deal for... The Force Awakens. Oh my goodness! So wait there. So I'm just. Oh my. Oh man. I'm. That's okay. So let's. I, let's wait. Wait. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm. I'm. Uh, listen. I'm, I'm trying to put enough the right amount of O's in my calculator. All right. This is very tense. So it's a thousand million. So three more O's. Damn. Okay. So a quarter oh percent. God. A quarter of 1%. So, times 0.01 will get us 1%. Divided by 4. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Five million bucks. Jackpot. Come in. For six hours work. He's getting paid almost a million bucks an hour. Yeah, I just... Well, I wish we could figure... Because I think when you look at the box office for Empire, now it includes like the special edition and any re-releases and stuff. Yeah, but I'm sure like Grandchild Guinness is getting a you know a couple of bunts shifted there. Oh, way. I'm sure. Oh, I'm I'm positive about that. And uh, we've got a photo of Irving Kirshner directing Alec Guinness, and you know Alec does have the face of someone in this photo that may be suffering from wretched eye trouble. <laughs> Doesn't um this would be the challenge. Empire Strikes Back Teaser Preview hosted or narrated by an enthusiastic Alec Guinness. <laughs> it wouldn't have happened. I'm not Look that good an actor. <laughs> Look at all this nonsense. Uh, this is a cool little one. September 12th, the Wookiee Storybook is published, written by Eleanor Erdhart and illustrated by Patricia Wayne. The children's book features Wookiee characters introduced in the Star Wars Holiday Special and includes allusions to recent American history. Anticipating Chewbacca's 200th birthday party, his father, Itchy, says it will be a bicentennial celebration, just like the ones they have on planets far, far away. After a three-year absence from Kashyyyk, Chewbacca re- reunites with his family in the Wookiee storybook. And then we've got the uh, the cover, very reminiscent of the Ewok storybooks that would um, hit the market in a couple of years' time. But we've got some lovelyly illustrated Wookiees enjoying their time amongst the treehouses of Kashyyyk. And you've got to give it up. For uh, Ralph Macquarie, he, he drew these Wookiee huts back in the day, and they have persisted. They have stayed true. He, he got it on the big screen in uh, Revenge of the Sith, but but even now in uh, 1979, his uh, illustrations, like you know, like Alderaan or something, or um, Corellia, we've seen different interpretations of what they would look like over the years. Kashyyyk, it's remained pretty true. It sure has. Hmm. They really stuck with that until we finally got to see it in a movie in Revenge of the Sith. It's very similar. We used to know about the water. Yeah, yeah. They they changed that around a little bit. You can go there. It's in Indonesia. Oh, really? Hmm. That's cool. Yeah, someone uh, called in. Our buddy Dougie called in to Blue Harvest this week and was talking about how I guess they filmed some of the crate stuff at the Salt Flats in Utah. Uh, yeah, I, I I did hear that, and I was, and like, I was like, "Ooh, oh. yeah, got to get out there." I um, I am shocked by the amount of people, huge Star Wars fans in LA, that haven't been out to the filming locations. Uh, it sounds unimaginable to me. 
I um, when I was a kid, I wanted to go to Tunisia so bad. Like that was the spot I wanted to go to. As soon as I found out that some of the the huts and stuff were still out there, like the Lars Homestead and even some of the sets from uh, Phantom Menace were up. Mm-hmm. And my dad, when I was in high school, got suckered into a timeshare with not with. So, like, you know how most timeshares are like a single place. You can go to this one place. Yeah. This is with a resort company, which meant you could go to any of their resorts once a year. Um, so it sounds like a good deal. It, I mean, my parents put uh, got a lot of use out of it, and we went on some really cool family vacations. But one of their resorts was in Tunisia. And I constantly bugged my dad, like, we got to do Tunisia. We got to do Tunisia. And, and he'd be like, man, the flights are super expensive. I don't think we can do it. And then my sophomore year in college, my family was planning a vacation, and I couldn't go because of my job. And he calls me up one day, and he's like, well, we booked our vacation today. We're real sad you're not going to get to go. And I was like, oh, really? Where are you guys going this time? And he goes, well, we we booked it for Tunisia. And, dude, I my heart sank. And I, I couldn't even respond. And he goes, oh, I'm just kidding. We're going to Costa Rica. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, he knew. And now, I, I mean, I don't know what it's like currently, but for a while there, at least, not the most advisable place to travel to. No, no. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I wish this was on video. My mouth was agape at him saying he was going to Tunisia. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was very shocked. Um, what do we got here? The Tatooine Sojourn. Very interesting. September 19th. In the syndicated Star Wars comic strip, Luke, C-3PO, and R2-D2 return to Tatooine from the first time since they left Ben Kenobi. Luke revisits the Moss Eisley Cantina and Ben's home and destroys an Imperial facility before he leaves Tatooine at the end of the serial titled Tatooine Sojourn. So I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm turning back a few pages. But wasn't there an issue of Marvel Comics before this where they went back to Tatooine? Didn't we talk about one? Yeah. No, it's a flashback to Tatooine. Uh, so it wasn't. Okay. wasn't a suggestion. Yeah. Don't get confused. The, um, the black and white newspaper art on this, illustrated by Russ Manning, is uh, pretty sick. Yeah, it's really good. Hmm. Some sweet troopers. Uh, hit us with September 24 Halls. Empire photography is completed with an insert of Luke on Hoth and coverage in the haunted cave on Dagobah. Because Hamill had already completed his role and left the production, Luke is performed by Hamill's stand-in, Joe Gibson. Hmm. Where's Joe now? I don't know. What do you know, Joe? Where you at? What are you doing? But um, I love how it's called the Haunted Cave. That is cool. <clears throat> that was one of the, another one of those early internet things where people would take screenshots or stills from the movie and be like, "Do you see? Like, there's like uh, pillars in the cave. It was it was like a temple or something at one point." Oh, really? Is that? 
Yeah, I think it's when, like, right when he crawls down into the cave, there's what looks like maybe some man-made structure to it. It's not just organic cave wall. That's cool. The, um... I always found it, like, go into a cave. Good on you. Do it. Have some fun. Climbing down that hole. Not brutal. Yeah. No, and all those lizards and snakes crawling around. Oh, zero buys. Zero. Uh, oh, I've got some more also's on this page. So we'll run through it. those. Yeah, some pretty sweet ones. Uh, also in 1979, Sonic Controlled Land Speeder. Doing my Harrison Ford voice. <laughs> Available only through JCPenney's Christmas catalog, Kenner's Sonic Controlled Land Speeder changes direction using an, a remote controlled shaped like R2. This was very strange because I, this is like a bigger sized vintage land speeder. Right, so they can put all the electronics in it, right? Yeah, and I feel like these JCPenney exclusives are very hard to get or were very hard to get in Australia because we didn't have JCPenney. So, in my recollection, like maybe pre-95 I saw one and didn't know. Actually, I have seen one because I remember being confused that there were different sizes, but I have... Like, not seen one of these for, like, 25 years. I have not seen... Because I'm in a lot of sort of, like, vintage Star Wars Facebook groups where people, like, trade and sell and stuff. And I can't remember seeing the Landspeeder, the Sandcrawler, I see occasionally pop up for sale. But the Landspeeder seems like maybe it's a little more rare. Yeah, and I think because the other one would have been so much cheaper without the uh, the Sonic Control. Right. But in, yeah, the same box, they've also got listed the Sandcrawler. Kenner's two-channel radio-controlled Sandcrawler weighs 1.1 kilos. Who cares? Operates from up to six meters and retails for about 30 bucks. Hawes, you know what to do. Oh, let me pull it up. You know, this thing, if they were to do a remote control sand crawler nowadays, uh, it would be one of those HasLab projects where people had to back it and stuff. If they want to move a sand crawler, you got to get the Mandalorian on the side of it. Yes. And a nice egg. <laughs> How do we not have teddy bears of the egg? How is there not an a, like a, a little itty bitty set or something, right? With a few of the gray Jawas, the off world Jawas, and a plush egg that you can take the top off of. Because got a little plush yolk inside. Wouldn't the egg make a good like couch pillow? Yeah, with the little tentacles hanging off and stuff. That egg thing is disgusting, by the way. It is. It grosses me out. <laughs> it reminds me of like a, a dog that goes out and rolls in the mud. Like, after raining? Yeah, but other stuff was in the mud as well. Right, right. We're not just talking pure pure soil. Yeah, it, um, was, it was a leaky um, septic tank yeah. underneath the, the mud. Oh. Uh, $106.60. It's not bad. No, 
No, it, that would be way more expensive today hmm. for a almost three pound uh, radio controlled sand crawler. I have to say, the I'm a huge fan of the box photos of um, the toy in fantasy situations with other toys. Mm-hmm. Huge fan of it. And I, I get, it makes me sad when they don't do it. Like, like, you know, during like the prequel years and stuff, it was all right. like art. Right. But I think you've you got to show this toy. And and this box, they've they've done an exceptional job with the sand crawler. It's open up. There's uh, three Jawas. One of them's walking down the stairs. C-3PO's up there with uh, the gonk droid. And then doing some droid deals. Oh, that might be... Is that C-3PO? Is that... That's, yeah, a de- that's the Death Star droid up there. Is it? Because I thought it was two C-3PO. No, I think it's the Death Star droid. Because if you look at the, the silver... Yeah. On him compared to the the C-3PO, it's quite sort of different. And then um, in some bargaining, you've got Luke Skywalker in Tatooine garb, and he's discussing R5-D4 with two other Jawas while C-3PO and R2-D2 stand nearby. It is excellent. I got... Um so they, obviously the package of what I'm about to talk about is is meant to mirror this, but I got the vintage collection Luke Skywalker X-Wing in the mail today. I've had it pre-ordered since Force Friday mm-hmm. uh, back last year, and it finally shipped. I, there was some kind of delay or something with it. And the the box art, the photo on the box art with the X-Wing and Luke in his X-Wing gear and R2 and stuff made me... So happy. I loved seeing that. Because yeah. it's a you know, it's a photo of the actual toy. Yeah. And I love seeing like the newer toys in those situations as well. It's mm-hmm. it's very cool. Very cool. And oh, I tell you what's worse. Uh, yeah, probably worse than um I'll ask you than seeing the um like art is when they have it clear and you can see the actual toy. I don't like that. Unless you're doing that to showcase a figure, you know what I mean? Like a a tiny little window to show like, hey, this vehicle comes with this figure. I don't like that. I always found it more enticing to buy when, say, you've got that window. Like, so it's a box. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of what vehicles... Like when they brought out those special edition toys, you had a box and it came with a bonus figure and the figure was in a window so you could see that. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. But you can't see the actual toy and you're like, oh, I can see the figure. I'd yeah. L- I'd like to see the rest. Here's, here's 50 bucks. I'm going to take this with me now. So, you know, the, Hasbro has this whole initiative where over the next couple of years, or next few years, they want to completely eliminate uh, sales. Sales. <laughs> well, they're already <laughs> doing a pretty good job of that. Um, they want to eliminate plastic from their packaging. So I hope that results in more things like this. Yeah, that is so weird, though. No plastic. Yeah, but I guess um, would like a planet. Yeah, for sure. This is a golden. 
also in 1979, Hawes, public service announcement. A Star Wars-themed anti-drunk driving public service announcement, PSA, is broadcast on television stations in association with the U.S. Department of Transportation and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. John Williams' classic cantina music plays while Star Wars Alien, while one Star Wars Alien helps another move away from a bar. The PSA's narrator intones, when friends drink too much, even in galaxies far, far away, friends don't let friends drive drunk. You know, they also did like a Star Wars anti anti smoking ad as well, I believe. Really, and yeah, like Aunt Beru's out the front of um, the <laughs> homestead coughing up. She puffs her ciggy. It's disgusting. Hey, um, I've got this one queued up as well. Oh my god, the preparation! I know it's out of control. Uh, have you got it up on your screen? I do. Does it move when I do this? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's exciting. All right. I can see the comments. Somebody was like, I find this so cute. It's like the second comment down. Oh, okay, tight. It's, it's delightful. It sounds like something you'd write. Um, yeah. Here we go. Oh, look at him jamming. So we've got a recreated cantina bar here with a lot of smoke. Yeah. Muff Tech has had a few too many. And then a Juro comes up, hugs him, and leads him away. And then... Of course, Muff Tack. Sorry? I said, of course, Muff Tack would be the one that had too much to drink. On the juice. Hit again. Um, And then it shows the Falcon flying away into space. So, I, I guess they got like Chewy or something to drop Muff Tech home on another planet? Yeah, he seems like the kind of guy that would help a guy out like that. He would. Well, those those furry friends have got to stick together. So uh, I'll put that in the uh, the notes as well. But very cool. I um, How thrilling it would have been to see that ad and to see alternate takes of a, of a very... Like, if you thought things were low budget in the uh, recreation of the cantina for the Star Wars holiday special... Wolf. Hold my blue milk. Dude, they really got those costumes out of storage for that, too. Yeah, and they even used, like, the faces that they like they ended up editing out of, like, special editions and stuff, like that ghost head. Yeah. yeah. The guy looks like he's got, like, he's auditioning for Scream, a Scream prequel. Is that Terminal Man? No, that's a different one. So, uh, but a very a great message. Do not let your alien friends drink too much and drive home. Or humans, I guess. Whatever. Whoever you're hanging out with. Hawes, let's flip the page to page 82. Oh, my God. You're not going to like this. Go for it. Yep. I'm not going to like it. You're not going to like it in about two sentences. Oh, great. Luke and the droids return again to Tatooine in Marvel Comics' Star Wars number 31. Oh, cover (laughs) Cover date January. (sighs) Luke visits the Lars homestead, reunites with Fixer and Cammy. Oh, Cammy. Oh, hard eyes, Cammy. And also revisits the Moss Eisley Cantina. Apparently... He goes there more than Muff Tech. He sure does. 
apparently for the first time since his departure with Ben Kenobi. The approval process between Lucasfilm and its licensees are still being worked out as situations in the Marvel story do not mess with the contemporary, contemporaneous storyline in the Star Wars comic strip. God, I dropped, dodged a bullet with that one. Mm-hmm. But yes, if um if you're new to this type of show, I I cannot stand. It's October. Why are you putting January on it? Look at that do back though. It also annoys me because like it seems like they're getting their homework in like, like five months in advance, which is overachievers. Not not how I operated. Not me either. But yes, right you are. The cover is epic with uh, Luke, R2, and C-3PO hiding under a rock ledge while two stormtroopers, one mounted on a dewback, um, are like above them. But the dewback sees them. So yeah. do you think he like rats them out? Like, where are they? This dewback. Are they bringing dewbacks in? Are, they, are these like, are they already on? They, they, they've got a garrison already on Tatooine and they're, they're riding dewbacks. I, 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 what's the deal? Are dewbacks like native to Tatooine? Because we see them sort of walk around. Or, or are they just distributing them around the galaxy? We, we get I, this from Dewbackia and uh, here we go. Here, we've got a delivery of dewbacks. I think they're probably native. So these stormtroopers the like just, just taming them like, like, like on the day or they're here all the time? So I think it's kind of like when you go to a touristy city and you can rent a Vespa or a, uh, what are those other things? Those things people stand up on and ride around. They were big for a minute. Oh yeah. Gotcha. Uh, um, I think, you know, you go to your local do back tamer and you're like, Hey, we're the empire. Give us seven do backs. And he's like, you're going to ruin my small business. And they're like, ah, sorry, we're the empire. We're going to need your ID and $20 deposit. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Do you think um, you have to bring your Jew back, back fed? Yes. And a little known fact, Tatooine is the only planet that they can charge as much for do back feed as they want, long as it's marked somewhere very smallly on a little LCD screen. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent reference. <laughs> Um, this is cool. Pictured in Star Wars 31, the Imperial Troop Transport is based on the Kenner toy of the same name that is also released in 1979. And then it's got a picture of the Troop Transport with the bubble, the the speech bubble in some sort of, um, mechanical blurb or something. Oh, it means it's coming over the radio, I guess. Right. This is Tag Command Unit 3. Any success yet? And um, that Imperial Troop Transport, which Kenner sort of made as some sort of alternate, um, you know, they just need to get some toys out there. So they invented this thing that may have been in Star Wars and, of course, now is in Star Wars. Um, Sometimes I I get a little bit cynical about this recycling of stuff. Yeah. and, and and sort of it being focused on too much, like 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 Mac- old rejected Macquarie art and stuff. Mm-hmm. But seeing this Imperial Troop Transport, which was brought out in 1979, 
just rock up side of screen in the Mandalorian. I was thrilled. Yeah. Have you seen people? So, you know, they have um, one coming out, right? Yes. Yes. And the packaging for it is Mandalorian themed. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's in the vintage collection. So it looks like the old school toys with an actual picture of the vehicle and things like that. Have you seen some people being like, uh, this is one of the goofier things I've seen on Twitter being like, well, actually, it should say Star Wars Rebels because it showed up in Rebels before the Mandalorian. Have you seen that? Sorry, I'm just working on my blank face. <laughs> it's uh, it's so silly to me. Mandalorian is the most recent thing it showed up in. No offense to Rebels, but it's got way more cultural cachet than Rebels. So a toy marked as something from the Mandalorian, to me, has more potential to sell than something that said Star Wars Rebels. All right. I'm going to have to true fan the fandom. The gate is getting swung shut. I'm welding it shut with my vintage elusive originals lightsaber that I have made work that I bought in the early 90s because I'm such a true fan. None of this is true. Mm -hmm. But Star Wars toys have always updated the movie as they've come out. The Millennium Falcon was originally released in a Star Mm -hmm. Wars box. It would then go on to be released in an Empire Strikes Back box. And then, shock, a Return of the Jedi box. Same thing with the figures. Exactly. You have people that collect, you know, let's say that focus on Boba Fett figures. They want a Boba Fett on a Star Wars card back, on a, a Empire card back, on a Return of the Jedi card back, on a Tri Logo card back. Like this is Star Wars history. Like this is what they've always done. Now, what's the tone of these complaints? Are they having some fun, or are they like mm-hmm. actually offended? The one I saw was someone sort of going at Yak Face about it. And come on, man. Don't go after Yak Face. He's a valuable resource for Star Wars information. attack the Yak. What's he got? He didn't name the box. Yeah, well, it was more like, why does it it say the Mandalorian? It it showed up for the first time in Rebels, but they've already done a Rebels version. It wasn't in the vintage collection, but they put one out during Rebels' original run, if I'm not mistaken. Why doesn't it say Star Wars Marvel issue 31? (laughs) That's... That's the real complaint. Very silly. I, um, I'm always fascinated with complaints that aren't, they don't hold up. Right. Like their complaint is one plus one is three sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I, 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 there's an example coming up that um, I will bring up with much trepidation, but. I feel like I have to. <laughs> um, the Transporters book or illustrates the Imperial Assault on the Jawa Sandcrawler. That is so cool. Do you see that up in the top corner? Yep. So there's this little... Um, also in 1979. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the true transport. So, 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 so. Um, 
so yeah, the, the also in 79 box next to this one is for the Imperial Troop Transporter being released. And it's got the, uh, you know, the classic box that we all love with the, uh, fantasy situation taking place. Um, what, 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 what's your take with, um, on these box covers, Hawes? Do you like, um, this one's just got a hand, the hand of God coming down, playing with, um, pressing a button on it, making a noise. And just looking over to the land speeder and the sand crawler, both things, just a hand of God holding the remote. But some of these toy boxes have the kit. Like if you look over at this Millennium mm-hmm. Falcon box coming up, I always like just the hand because when I saw the kid's face, feelings of envy. See, I... You know, back in the day, I probably would have had a very similar reaction and feeling. But now I kind of like the ones that have the kids on it because you get to see that sick, like, late 70s, early 80s fashion and haircuts. Like, it dates it so well. It, like, puts a stamp on it as a place and time so well that I actually kind of enjoy it. Agreed. But I still kind of hate them. <laughs> You sit there and wonder, like, did that did that little bastard get to take that home after the shooting day? This is what I want to know about this kid. And we're jumping forward to this Millennium Falcon box. This is how it would be redeemed for me. Is how many times this kid, who's now an adult, has mentioned it in the past year. Oh, uh, if it was me, Steel, you would hate me. You'd you'd change your name to Hawes Box Art. Hawes <laughs> Box Art. <laughs> Perfect. It would just be the uh, cover image for my podcast. I'm just going to rest for the next 15 minutes, read out some articles. <laughs> okay. Star Wars Annual Number One. Oh my God, that was uh, I'm very happy with myself. But um, so it's got this thing for the Imperial Troop Transport. Can it releases the Imperial Troop Transport, which is modelled on the vehicle, appears in the Rebel base sequence in Star Wars. Oh, hardly. Uh, the toy includes an illustrated booklet that shows stormtroopers using the transporter as they search for the droids on Tatooine during the events of Star Wars. And you've got this little EU black and white picture of. Um, the precise shots of the Imperial Stormtroopers. They're, they're blowing up the, um, the, the sand crawler. I like, th- I think that's neat. Can you imagine getting that toy back in the day and seeing that and being like, oh, that's what happened to the, the Jawas. This thing rolled up and took care of them. This is how it went down. They, um, the first time I ever saw this featured, like this, circumstance was there was that they brought out that star wars manga yes in um, possibly the 2000s i'm gonna go with and it was sort of um uh, what would you call that like a half a4 size um smaller little comic book black and white and it, it it featured the the jawas getting i think it was at night time that the uh stormtroopers cornered them and and things went awry, but um, yeah, I, I, I um, I'm, I'm this is so lame. I'm proud of the troop transport. He's stuck in there, and he got his <laughs> reward, or or her. 
Um, it's hard to say. Um, I, I haven't looked on that side of the toy. But, um, <laughs> like, I was so stoked for it when um, it turned up in The Mandalorian. I was like, good for you. Yeah, that was that was so cool. And my prospect now is, like, I, I would like to order the one from The Mandalorian, the toy. Mm-hmm. And then how many stormtroopers do I have to get to fill that damn thing? Couple. That new toy looks pretty sick. They did a good it job does. But bring it out when the show comes out. Oh, my God. Can I tell you? So, you know, I, I talked about it on Blue Harvest a couple of weeks ago, how I was, like, maybe a little underwhelmed with the Star Wars Toy Fair offerings this year mm-hmm. and how most of it had leaked out, if not all of it had leaked out beforehand. And that's sort of the nature of the game, right? But in the days since Toy Fair, Yak Face has had so many reveals of stuff that's coming that they didn't show off. And I'm just like, I can't understand. Like, they have some pretty cool stuff coming, and it was nowhere to be seen at Toy Fair. It's very puzzling. And I realized, like, I watched a good bit of the Hasbro live stream and they were covering a lot of different products. You know, they were bringing GI Joe back. So they had limited time, but I still think you could have found a way to show off some more stuff stuff, by the way, that they quote unquote revealed. And in some cases was already hitting the shelves like the 40th anniversary empire strikes back black series stuff was already showing up on shelves. And this was like, like the quote unquote reveal for that stuff. Very odd. Very odd. Star Wars annual number one. Marvel Comics releases the first Star Wars annual, written by Chris Claremont, and the story features Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia traveling to the planet Tyran and meeting winged humanoid natives. Oh god. The Skytree. According to the Skytree. Obi-Wan Kenobi and two of his Jedi students visited Tyrion during the Clone Wars. One student was Darth Vader. Oh, God. And the other carried the lightsaber (laughs) that Luke now possesses. Fascinating, right? Fascinating. It's the guys from the latest episode of Clone Wars. Like the show. Is it? Not really. Ah. But aren't they like, they fly around, right? Am I mistaken in that? Yeah, they no. fly. Yeah, they fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. they, they called them on the beacon. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm confused because I let it play onto the next like onto a random episode or something. And so I've seen, I, I started watching this one with R2D2 and C3PO stuck on a planet or something. So I'm, I'm confused about what aliens were in what. Is that the one with, um, Colonel Mieber Gascon? I don't think oh. so. I didn't okay. see him. I was like in and out of the room. So, but I was very confused. Anyway, let's leave that. My confusion about Disney Plus. The cover 
is um, pretty sick with... We've got Luke Skywalker, he's got his back to us, lightsaber ignited as um, three of these bat-wolf-type people are uh, coming at him. And they did the wise thing by having Luke with his back to the uh, artist. Yeah. In that (coughs) hard to mess up a face when it's just hair. Yeah, and it's a very Prince Adam hair. It's very Masters of the Universe's cover. It is. It is. Look at that upper thighs on this dude. Yeah, he's been on the elliptical. Oof. Stairmaster. Damn. Hit us with a bit of November. Huge, huge news. November. The Empire Strikes Back theatrical advanced one sheet is distributed to U.S. theaters. The poster is designed by Tony Sinegier and David... Rennerick, who also developed the titling Empire, the Tilting Empire logo. Ooh, hats off to them. That's a good poster. That's a good logo. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how they designed logos back then. So hard. Yeah, I, I don't either. But they got them. Um, and it says, in little text, the Empire Advanced Posters image is used in Japan, Italy, and Australia. And it's that classic um, black Starfield poster with a sort of shimmering Darth Vader mask with uh, Mm -hmm. the Star Wars saga continues coming to your galaxy this summer. (laughs) I like how many times George Lucas's name is on the post. Well, it's only twice, but. Could have got on there a few more times, I reckon. He could have. Could have gotten it on there. So um, I was talking about these, you know, anger about Star Wars things that are, like, not precedents. Mm-hmm. And um, when that um, The Last Jedi teaser poster came out and it had Kylo Ren, Rey, and Luke Skywalker, someone got... bafflingly upset with me for liking it because it was racist because the three main heroes like when have the three main heroes not been on the poster they were left off because they're not white and I explained it's a teaser poster that's not like the, the 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 precedent that you're citing isn't there. I really love that poster too. And in fact, on the teaser posters, the three main heroes have never been on it. Yeah, I think you're right, buddy. Oh no, 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 don't think. No. Yeah, I'm sitting here trying, so... So I've got Star Wars, right? Right, Star Wars. Um, that was just uh, the logo. Mm-hmm. But even on the second poster, it was just Luke and Leia. Uh-huh. Darth Vader. Empire, Darth Vader's head. Return of the Jedi, George Lucas's hands. Holding the lightsaber, mm-hmm. right? 
Phantom Menace, young Anakin with the shadow of Darth Vader behind him. Attack of the Clones. Is Anakin and Padme back to back. Hell yeah. Revenge of the Sith is Anakin with his cape flowing behind him, forming Darth Vader. Didn't really like that one. To be, I thought it was too forced. It was too forced, and it doesn't look nat- like it's not a natural. I-, I can see what they're going for. They were going for something kind of like the Phantom Menace poster, but it just didn't work out. It looks a little too like deviant, arty, or something. Yes, yes. Uh, Force Awakens teaser poster was the. Would you say that would be the Drew Struzan poster that they gave out at Comic Con? Yes. Okay, that is a weird sort of like mishmash of different imagery that doesn't really line up with the movie. Like, get a little Han, get some Ray, Finn with the lightsaber. Having a little bit of a hard time remembering that one clearly. It was an odd <laughs> one. I'm not sure. Was there another one? Well, for all three... Oh, they had those logos, yeah. Yeah. That was the one that was in the cinemas. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, And then The Last Jedi is that poster. And then The Rise of Skywalker was... I think it might have just been the logo. I don't know that they did one before they started doing the actual... They did so many posters. Oh, did they what? For Rise of Skywalker. And then uh, the Rogue One teaser poster was just the that, Death Star over Scarif, right? Doesn't have any characters. But then there was that one where they were running on the beach. Yeah, my favorite, and this might be considered a teaser poster, is the one that's like the rebel helmet laying in the sand. I think that was like an IMAX poster or something. Okay. Mm. Yeah, it gets harder to figure out in the modern era because they do so many different versions for the different... Oh, no, the teaser poster for Rise of Skywalker was the one with the fucking uh, Palpatine hot toy in the background. With Ray and Kylo fighting. Ah, oh, on the edge of the... Um, the cliff. Yes. Or the Death Star ruins, yeah. Okay. I was getting confused because... Is that scene also in the main poster as well? There were so many posters. That, and, 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 and they were very good. Yeah, they did some good posters for Rise of Skywalker. Hell yeah. Um... What about John Williams begins composing in uh, <coughs> November? The 108-minute musical score for Empire. Oh, John Williams begins composing the 108-minute score for Empire. Darth Vader's more significant role inspires William to write a grand imperial march for the villain's theme. Woo! The score is recorded with the London Sympathy... Sympathy... <laughs> Symphony Orchestra in England over the course of two weeks. So old Johnny W getting his little magic wand out and just waving it around so he looks important yet again. But meanwhile, writing one of the jammiest jams of Star Wars jams. Peanut butter and jam. 
Mm. Very good. Um, what else you got on the uh, towards the end of seventy nine, Hawes? What's striking your fancy? I have Art Indeed, The Art of Star Wars is published, written by Carol Teitelman. The book features concept and production art by Macquarie, Johnston, Molo, and others. It also features the complete script of the film, a, modif- a modified version of Lucas's fourth draft that incorporates revisions to the screenplay during production. The book will be reprinted many times and inspires a generation of artists, many of whom will later join the film industry. This is a sweet publication. It is. Don't you think how it's got edited by Carol Titleman? That's just like a placeholder name, and they're, <laughs> wa- they're waiting to get the author's real name. <laughs> Maybe. Titleman. Um, these art of books are sick, and I remember being a little kid and like, hey, this thing's got the whole movie in it. Do they know this is out? Like it to seem like a bootleg of the movie, sort of. Dude, I I just briefly looked at something that I have to read. Okay? This is another also. This is crazy. U.S. Lieutenant Colonel Jim Channon writes a confidential paper for top Pentagon, Pentagon brass called Evolutionary Tactics, a field manual for the 1st Earth Battalion. Throughout its hand-illustrated pages are unorthodox field tactics designed to transform a soldier into a spiritually guided warrior monk. The manual resonates well enough in post-Vietnam military command to warrant further exploration into paranormal abilities, including something identified as Project Jedi. That is crazy. Project Jedi. Interesting. Uh, December. Alan Alan Ladd Jr. leaves his position at Fox after Fox executives criticize. Oh, this is infuriating. Yes. Alan Ladd Jr. leaves his position at Fox after Fox executives criticize him for the deal which they had approved granting Star Wars sequel and licensing rights to Lucasfilm. Ladd subsequently founds a new production house, the Ladd Company. So, oh, so Alan Ladd Jr., who like believed in Star Wars and like made sure Lucas could finish it off. Get him extra cash. Like green light it all. No one else wanted to do it. He brings 20th Century Fox. It's like biggest hit against what everyone else wanted. And then when it's the best thing ever, it's like, Oh, I should have got a better deal on this thing that we didn't want. Mm hmm. Dicks. <laughs> Total dicks. Oh. It's just not right. Yeah. And he is like such an important figure in the 
formation of Star Wars. Without Alan Land Jr., we probably don't get Star Wars as we know it today. I haven't seen it. I'm not sure what's going on with it. But um, the the Dark Man, Dutch Hollywood behind um, Stephen Stanton. Mm-hmm. His uh, um, amazingly fascinating and hilarious manager, Dutch Hollywood, the best dude, the best. He was spearheading a documentary about Alan Ladd Jr. that that did have some screenings, but I, I don't know if it's still working on distribution. Oh, I would love to see that. Hmm, I might uh. I drop him a text and, and and see what's going on with that uh, that documentary because I, I think he was working with like Alan Ladd's daughter and um, yeah and it was like it, it, it looked to be done but it might be that thing where they're just looking to sell it or something right but I will find out <coughs> New Enterprise December seventh Star Trek the motion picture is released directed by Robert Wise story by Alan Dean Foster and screenplay by Harold Livingston and an uncredited Gene Roddenberry. Alan Dean Foster. He um, wrote Splinter of the Mind's Eye. He did, and the original novelization. And didn't he do the Force Awakens novelization as well? He did. Interesting. <clears throat> they should have... Um... <laughs> I was going to say, this should be... it would be fun, but it wouldn't. They just get like several authors to do a novelization <laughs> in different styles yeah and they just interpret it the way they do and um you know and then we can get upset about all their interpretations oh man dude screen rant has to stay in business somehow dude they would be so stoked um john Okay, it reunites the cast of Star Trek TV series, foretells the fate of a Voyager space probe. John Dykstra is the special photographic effects supervisor at his own effects company, Apogee. So, how did you say that? I would... Apogee? Apogee, okay. Which had created effects for Battlestar Galactica as well. Of course, he uh, had a big falling out with George Lucas after he went and worked on Battlestar. Um... I don't really remember much from this Star Trek motion picture. I remember it being boring. The first one being very boring. That's about the only recollection I have of it. Yeah, I remember it. And I think when you're like, you know, when you're trying to milk Star Wars out of something else. Uh Uh-huh. And and the juice just ain't there. Yep. You can't juice a banana horse. How do you get banana juice then? There's no such thing as banana juice. They're not. So when I go and get like a a juice at the store that's like orange and banana or pineapple and banana, you mean to tell me that's just some chemical that tastes like bananas? I don't know. Do they have banana flavored juice? Like you can get a smoothie. Right, which is just whirled up banana. Smashed. We're going to find this out. Banana juice, Amazon. <laughs> Banana juice concentrate. Um, I don't know how. Where is this juice coming from? 
I don't know. I'm a little dubious now. Ingredients. Water, banana puree concentrate, so world up banana, natural flavor, citric acid, and sugar. So to me, it sounds like banana juice is just someone whirling up some banana and mixing it with a bunch of water and sugar. And watering it down. Yeah. I want some straight uncut banana. I never considered this. Banana juice. It's a myth. It's like Luke Skywalker. Banana juice? I thought it was a myth. That line, oh, that's what did it for me. It made me tear up the first time I saw The Force Awakens. Well, because I got to see her say that. Right, in that a, special event. Yeah. So I went into it just like, like, Ray. So, like, when they showed Ray, like, climbing when you first see her, mm-hmm. I'm like, she's already like, that's my character. Right. Right. And then, oh, the X-Wing helmet bit where she's eating dinner and puts her little X-Wing helmet on. Oh, my goodness. And then she got to actually do it, which is... Yeah. Um, a pretty cool thing. Do you think? Do you think she should have got into a, um, a suit? Yeah, I I, I always because like leading into the rise of Skywalker, one of the things I wanted, like one of those little like silly things, was to see Ray fly an X wing, which I got. But it would have been cool if she had donned the whole flight suit gear and everything along with it. Mm. Who would have known it would have been Casual Fridays, right? December 21st, The Black Hole, a Walt Disney production is released. Directed by Gary Nelson, Disney's first PG-rated movie features the longest computer graphic sequence thus far and many matte paintings by Harrison Ellenshaw. A Star Wars veteran, Ellenshaw would join Empire's production immediately after completing his work on The Black Hole. Now, this poster that they've featured is seems to be like one of those British they might call them quad posters but it's like mm-hmm. a it's like the different ratio so it's like TV shaped right um like a poster on its side and how it's got the black hole with that swishy thing over the computer graphics and then the little like the credits on the side it looks like a super nintendo cartridge box it does or like a Maybe a vinyl. Yeah, well, the art is very. Um, this is going to be some sweet, some sweet guitar licks, dude. Yeah, I'd buy that album. <laughs> you would. Um, it does look like an album that someone's older brother would have in their room that smells funny. Yeah, you. Man, why does it smell like a skunk in Dave's room? It's <laughs> always listen to that Black Hole album. Oh man, I remember when I put that together where that smell was coming from. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's what he's he was having, doing up there. He's having a good time. <laughs> wow. Um now the black hole horse is on Disney Plus. Yeah, and I still haven't seen it. Um I've gotta I've just gotta wait till I can really sit down and enjoy it. Because I have yeah. got some some pretty sweet memories. I believe this is the movie 
where an IG-88 type droid, we must have talked about this before, Horse, is walking along a gantry in a ship and our heroes are underneath seeing the footsteps. And, and it always sort of, you know, when you're a little kid, it's sort of infused with my memory of IG-88. Right. Um, but I do remember it being super dope. So I feel like I've just got to sit down one night and really, really enjoy it. We should do that. Yeah, we'll check it out sometime. Hmm. I've never seen it ever, so I'll be interested to check it out. Alrighty, Hawes. Ooh, this is a big also. We are going to wrap it up for this episode with our also's in 1979. I will start with the... I will take the lesser item. We're talking about product releases. Plus, plush Jawa. Manufactured by Regal, this plush Jawa is sold only in Canada. Squeeze his left hand and he squeaks. That's a good, that's a good product. That is just a dope use of the license. So it is sort of like a, it looks like a larger sized, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it eight to 10 inches. Itty bitty style, um, plush Jawa. Um, it's so sick. And it is heartbreaking that, you know, we don't, like, I'd love to see, like, just prototypes of, like, we did the first 12 characters mm-hmm. to see what they came up with. I always loved, like, the plush interpretations of, um, of, of the characters. Sort of, because in that, concept screen to collectible whores. They had some Japanese sort of, you know, squished down Japanified uh-huh. uh, t- toys. And I was just like, oh, I, I just want them. And, and You that- know what I-, I always wanted that never got made was the Star Tots. Yeah, that's, yes, yes, yes. I, um, have you ever got one of those Star Tots? So Star Tots were sort of, um, you know, sort of like Beanie Baby, Star Wars plushies that... Uh, oh, no. No, no. They, they were the plastic ones, yeah? Yeah, they were more like your play school. Like Jublo sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and they had the little X-Wing and the little, like, um, land speeder they would sit in. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the collectors of Star Wars um, that run the Star Wars Celebration Collectors Track... Um, you know, Gus Lopez and co, they um, fanned fund these giveaway little medallion star tots each celebration. So it's sort of on this plastic um, backing card, sort of like a vintage figure. And then you get a, um, you know, it's sort of like, you know, pays homage to the Kenner packaging. And then where an action figure would be, there'd be this sort of medallion star tot, like a, you know, a badge, or yeah. a pin without the, the pinness. But I have got one. My friend from um England, the Ginger Prince, he um he's just a great dude. He used to do um sort of English um or UK based collecting reports for Star Wars Action News, a podcast that sort of doesn't put out much stuff anymore. But um 
I sort of just became friends with him because I was a fan of that podcast. And I like, he was like a dude that like, when I met him at Celebration, I think in London, I was like fanning out. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I love you on the podcast. So good. And like, it like it really sort of like, like influenced my style. It was really cool. And sort of, because so, he used to do these recaps of him going to fairs and stuff. And I thought it was really cool. Um, but I don't know if it was Orlando Celebration, but they had one of the characters was a Luke Jedi. Oh. And at the start, you can listen to this on, like, if you go back to my blog pods of um, covering the Celebration. I think at the start of Celebration, I see him and I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'd love to get to that, to get one of these Luke Jedi. You know, I just love that one. And um, on the last day, he found me with a couple of hours to go and... um, yeah, gifted me a Luke Jedi, and oh, that's awesome! Just because he knew how much I was, um, you know, how much I'd appreciate it. So it's it's really sweet, and um, also fits into my collecting OCD. Just get one, perfect. The one that's special to me. Oh, this OCD weighs me down. Hawes, take us out with our final listing of 1979, our final listing of the 70s. And how appropriate is it that it is perhaps the greatest action figure vehicle ever created, the Millennium Falcon toy. Kenner releases its highly anticipated Millennium Falcon spaceship, which is designed to accommodate Star Wars 9.5 centimeter, three and one quarter action figures. Two key Kenner employees who work on the toy are Jack Farah, who does the product development, and Mark Boudreaux, who figures out the Falcon's scale. Chooses the play features and handcrafts a rough model for Kenner management. The 23-inch long uh, Falcon features battle alert sounds, an opening cockpit, folding entrance ramp, swiveling radar dish, laser gun with swiveling seat, game table, secret floor panel to cover a smuggling compartment, and a remote force ball for lightsaber practice. Good luck keeping that. Yeah. It is released in 1979 for $24.77, which roughly translates in today's dollars to $88.02. Just a masterpiece. I, I think it's the greatest vehicle ever created. Staggering. And I've been fortunate enough to interview Mark Budo. I know. At um, Comic Con. And you couldn't ask for a better guy to design the Millennium Falcon. Not because he did an amazing job, which he did, but his enthusiasm. And his yeah. passion for his millennium—he's he in as it you know stands—he's he's designed every Millennium Falcon for Hasbro or Canada, yep. which is pretty sick. But um, just like talk about a product standing the test of time, like it's still dope. Yes, and you know they they brought out that that big Millennium Falcon. That is my that is my holy grail. Nice. And it is amazing. It is. But as far as playability, like 
a little kid probably couldn't lift it up and fly it around. No, no. It is it is a display piece, you know? You set it up and you display it. You're not carrying it around the house making spaceship noises and stuff. Well, maybe the first day you get it in, but past that. The, the original Falcon and the Power of the Force 2 Falcon from like 95 are the perfect scale to play with. And it's out of scale. The cockpit's way too big. Mm-hmm. But I'm just looking at it, and I'm just like, I wouldn't want you any other way. Yeah, it's beautiful. so great. Sometimes it shows up on book covers for some reason. I know. I love it. <laughs> love it. Um, did you have this as a youth, Horst Burkhardt? I did not. Uh, my first Millennium Falcon was the Power of the Force 2 Falcon. I never had one as a child. <laughs> I didn't even think I saw one. Like, I would have saw the box. Right. And just stared at it in the toy store. I used to love... Is that what all kids do? did? Like, we would go to the um, the bigger city, the capital city, if you were, Frankston. Um, and they had department stores. And my mum used to, I used to just tell her the route I was going on. <laughs> so I'd start, I'm at the car park, and then I'll go to Toy World, and then I'll go to Toy Mart or something, and then I'll go to um, Fletcher Jones, I'll go to David Jones, then I'll end up, I'll meet you at Meyer. In oh, Actually, there was another toy shop in Frankston. I can't know what that was called, but that was where I first ever saw Star Wars like any existence of Star Wars. It was in that shop. So I'd go there. And then I think I'd meet mum in the Maya department store toy section. And I'd have like a 90 minutes to make this path. And I wasn't allowed to go into any other places. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do remember being kind of disgusted with adults. <laughs> because... I had to make the best use of my 90 minutes. So in between toy shops or toy departments, my mode of transport was sprinting. <laughs> and I remember like, oh, why? Why are all these adults just walking? Are they in no hurry? <laughs> like they're wasting time. I didn't get it. But um, is that what kids... Because like, I would just go into the shop and I would just pick up each toy and just study the front, the back, yes. look at what weapon it came with. Um, I was... I think I'm past the... Um, I can't be uh, getting in trouble for this anymore. But if I was feeling sly... I would open up the boxed toys and look for catalogs. Nice. <clears throat> nice. I may have accidentally taken a catalog home. Mm, you know, you just were, you're checking it out and then, oh, you just happened to, yeah, you know, you were in such a hurry to get to the next store, you just walked out with it. It happens. But sometimes... I don't know how. I guess they just got sent them promotionally. I remember in Maya, 
they would sometimes have the catalogs that you could grab. Oh. And they there were these little catalogs. I've actually got... Is this a reproduction? I oh, know this is an original one. I've got one on my desk for some reason. Um, it's Empire Strikes Back. And I guess it's like a postcard-sized booklet. Uh-huh. And um, on the cover, we've got Luke and... Yoda in um, the cave and Yoda is giving Luke a really weird look like he's he looks so real I've got to turn the camera on just so you can see this horse wait okay look at the look he's giving Luke Uh, you got to stop sharing your screen because all I can see is your Twitter oh okay oh how's my Twitter going Oh, it looks pretty good. I see a, a gif of uh, Senator Palpatine or Chancellor Palpatine looped over and over. <laughs> it's a good tweet. Um, stop sharing. Okay. There. Oh, move it over a little so I can see. Whoa. Whoa. Bad day on set, Yoda. How real does he look, though? He does look real. It looks like a person in makeup. That's the realest he's ever looked. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny is your your drawing of Luke's robot hand looks like it's just pointing at your head. <laughs> so, Horse, not only does this catalog feature maybe the greatest photo of Yoda ever, he looks so... He's just like... The look on his face is like, I'm sick of you. <laughs> Shut up. But, um, so you open it up. And, like, how could I resist? Do you know what I mean? Right. This this little booklet. Because I was big on just staring at product photos of toys. Like, I could just stare at them all day and just dream of what I'd do. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So, you open it up and you've got um, the Empire Strikes back product line up. The first 41 figures. In a bizarre order, but the new figures that they're entering, you've got um, ATST driver, no, ADAT driver. Great figure. 2-1-B medical droid. Great figure. Han Solo Bespin. Rebel commander, Hoth rebel commander, mustached. Mm-hmm. Uh, Imperial... Commander or something? Imperial Commander, yes. Uh, Princess Leia Bespin, one of the best costumes ever. Great figure. Lobot, one of the best sleeves ever. <laughs> Dengar, one of the best headscarves ever. Ugnaught, one of the best smocks ever. <laughs> and then the introduction of the Jedi Master Yoda with easily the best orange or brown snake ever. Uh, and that tiny little robe with his little belt and his little cane. Oh, so good. I loved him when I was little because he came with all that stuff. He just seemed yeah. like... I remember when kids would have a Yoda in the play, it was just like, oh, my God, he does so much. He's got... Oh. And it's all so tiny because the figure's so tiny. That's a, that's a legendary figure. That is one of the best. It's, absolutely. Oh, so good. Um, then opening it up, you've got 
Oh, this is very cool. You've got what looks like whores. A prototype at it. Check that out. That's definitely not the final version. It's smoother. Oh, look at the mini rig. See the mini rig down in the corner? Yeah, buddy. I had that. I yeah, had that's that. what I had. I was all over the mini rigs. But yeah, you've got the prototype Adat. And you've got some Dagobah hut. So, so no wonder this was a hot ticket. Finding its way into my pocket. <laughs> Dude, I hope that's the one you actually lifted out of the store. No, it was not. It belongs I, in a museum. Yes, yes. Um, oh, and it's got like, oh, we'll talk about all this later on when it comes out, but the Star Destroyer playset, which is just a, a space office, pretty much. <laughs> all right, whores, that is the end of uh, the 70s and this podcast. What a uh, a delightful time, buddy. Tell uh, the good people. Um, so this is on both our uh, sort of normal iTunes feeds. And normally, what are we up to? Episode 12? Yep. So there is 11 other episodes of um, equal length and fun of us going through all this that is available for uh, just three bucks for the month on either of our uh, Patreons. Tell everyone about yours, buddy. Uh, you can find me uh, on blue at Blue Harvest Pod on Twitter. That's where I do most of my social media stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, every Saturday on Blue Harvest with my buddy Will, he is normally very even keeled and friendly. And uh, yeah, we got a Patreon where we do all kinds of bonus shows, not just this one. We got a whole bunch of different ones. Now I'm here with my pitch with my little boy Harrison. Okay. You know, I don't, I don't want to say who needs the money more, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Harry, do you want to... Can you say something? Say mama? This is the most behaved he's ever been in his life, is when I actually <laughs> want him to say something. Are you a cutie? Have you got any words? Nah. Nah. But, uh, yeah, you can check out the uh, Steel Wars Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. I'm now getting tackled. I now have, <laughs> don't have headphones on. Um, and uh, it's patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. You can listen to the uh, aforementioned Robbo Report, the uh, the legendary tale. And um, but, but double dip. Be like Maria who uh, goes for both patrons and gets to enjoy both our um, our weekly bonus contents. Am I right, Hawes, or am I yeah. really right? You're really right. All righty, buddy. Well, thank you guys so much. I've got to go be a parent, and uh, may that force be with you. See you, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.